One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me your host Chloe Timms. This week I'm talking to Emily Kenny about her middle grade novel The Extraordinary Adventures of Alice Tonks. Emily studied English literature and creative writing at UEA and completed a master's in children's literature at Roehampton University. She works as an English teacher and special needs coordinator at a secondary school. Like her protagonist Alice, Emily is autistic, and we talk about how to write authentic autistic characters in this episode. We also talk about why she thinks we're in the golden age of children's fiction, and why having a mentor was the most accessible and valuable way to improve her writing craft. But before we get into that, here's Emily with an excerpt from The Extraordinary Adventures of Alice Tonks. Alice had come this far. If she was going to get thrown out of school on her first day, she at least needed to make it worthwhile. She closed her eyes so she didn't have to look at the webbed tentacles of seaweed clinging to the steps ahead. Tightening her grip on the rail, Alice shuffled down, her eyes squeezed shut. One step, two steps, three. Her foot skidded and she lurched forward, catching herself just in time. Very slowly, Alice opened her eyes. There on the rail sat the same seagull from earlier, his head cocked to one side. He opened his beak and spoke. You took a risk coming here today, Alice Tonks. Instead of squawks, Alice heard the voice of a traffic warden, fussy and officious. The seagull beckoned her closer with his wing. You can talk? You're a seagull and you can really talk to me? Alice tried to calm her breathing. In, one, two, three. Out, one, two, three. That's what Gran had taught her to do when her nerves got the better of her. But this wasn't like worrying about school or being in a crowded shopping centre. There was a real-life seagull talking to her. And what was more, she could understand every word. Of course I can, the seagull blustered, clearly affronted. You didn't actually think humans are the only ones who can talk, did you? Alice gulped. Maybe she really was going mad after all. But herring gulls have a much wider range of discernible calls than any other species, she recalled. There was a section in her encyclopedia about their vocalisations, the soft baby talk they used with their chicks, and the long, mewing sounds for mating. What if they were even more sophisticated than humans thought? What do you want with me? she asked, her hand shaking. It was you, wasn't it? At the window. 
I had to warn you. It couldn't wait. Warn me? Alice asked, her chest tight. Warn me about what? The seagull shifted uneasily from one webbed yellow foot to another. It's not safe to talk here, he said, looking back over his shoulder and standing tall in the kind of defensive body stance Alice had seen in a nature documentary. Anyone could see us, he edged closer. We are living in perilous times. Hi Emily, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here with me today to talk about your middle grade novel, The Extraordinary Adventures of Alice Tonks. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So can you start by telling us what your novel's about? Sure. Um, The Extraordinary Adventures of Alice Tonks is about one 11-year-old girl discovering just how capable and powerful she really is. But a bit like the Spider-Man movies, with great power comes great responsibility. And the book asks the question, how far are you prepared to go to do the right thing? And there's so much in this novel. And I, I emailed you earlier and said, I think it's like the perfect kids novel. It ticks so many boxes. We've got talking animals. We've got a boarding school that's kind of like the fantasy boarding school. So I want to know where your ideas came from. What was that kind of starting point for you? Um, the idea for the story came from the really special affinity that a lot of autistic people have with animals. And sometimes... And certainly I've experienced this myself. It can seem easier to connect with animals than it can with people. And I wondered what it would be like if animals could really talk back. Um, and that was kind of the stem for the story, really. And one of the first animals we meet that can talk is a seagull. So I was wondering, why the seagull? Because that's quite an unusual talking creature. I think the seagull was a natural choice, really, for a seaside set <laughs> story. Um, the book, the or, kind of original idea for the book um, was on a writing course down in Brighton with Lindsay Galvin, and she had a prompt of some shoes abandoned at the beach. Um, so I, you know, from the very beginning knew it was going to be a beach story. So, yeah, seagull just popped into my head because... I guess I was at the sea and they're everywhere and they're so loud. Aren't they? You can yeah, always, always hear the seagulls before anything else. <laughs> and what was it for you that made you decide to want to write children's fiction? And uh, was it kind of like you'd always loved? I mean, I know you're a teacher, but you work kind of secondary school. So what was it that inspired you to write children's fiction? Uh, I've always loved children's fiction. Um, and even, you know, as an adult, I just think we're in like a real golden age of children's fiction. There's so much um, being produced, but also of such a high quality. Um, it just seemed like the right time to be part of that. And I think it would be fair to say that children's fiction, particularly middle grade, is something of like a special interest for me. I read it really avidly. Um, and I always felt like my my writing was kind of well placed for the children's market perhaps more so than the adults i think i'm just a big kid really <laughs> <laughs> well there's a lot of fun in this novel and, and in children's fiction as well you can you can be a bit more whimsical and, and magical and also i think maybe i don't know how you feel about this but i feel like we've seen a, a shift it's certainly in ya and middle grade 
that there's a lot more diversity of character and your main character Alice is autistic and I know that you're autistic as well and that you really wanted to write a a novel with a central character that is autistic so can you speak about why that representation is so important to you yeah sure I suppose um bluntly speaking there's been terrible representation for far too long um and until recently when a kind of spark and the Libby Scott series was successful most autistic um characters or protagonists have been written by neurotypical people and often the stories were about what a burden autistic people are or they portrayed a very narrow stereotyped representation of what it is to be autistic and growing up I felt that absence of positive representation quite keenly though I did find characters like Joe March or Hermione Granger who have a lot of autistic traits to relate to when I came to write this book, I wanted to write a book where an autistic girl had adventures and where her autism wasn't the sole focus of the story. I suppose really I didn't want to write an issues book. I just wanted to write a book where a child could be autistic and still have all the fun. I think neurodiverse young people just deserve to have adventures too. Yeah, definitely. And I'd, I'd say... Um we are seeing a, a positive shift. There's still a long way to go. And I, I certainly feel the same in terms of disability representation. I'm glad that we're seeing a lot more, but it's still, I and mean, I certainly think that um, kid lit's doing a lot better than adult fiction in that respect, but we've still got a long way to go. So one of the aspects I absolutely adored about your novel was the boarding school. Like I, I want to go there. Like it just seems amazing. All these like, libraries and little nooks and crannies and the descriptions of the food like I think when Alice arrives there's cookies and freshly made lemonade so tell us about how you went about creating the school was it literally you had a a tick list of all the dream qualities you wanted in a school (laughs) um I was very fortunate to spend time boarding as a teenager and I've got really vivid memories of that time to work with so I took those memories as a starting point and then I tried to make Pebbles a home away from home for the characters but also for my readers. I think there's nothing wrong with a bit of escapism and um, when we read I think sometimes it's really nice to feel really kind of safe and homely with what we're reading. Mm, Often schools in, in fiction are one of two. They're either horrible places that are full of really villainous characters or they are kind of cozy and comforting and and yours falls into the latter although we do start to ask questions about some of the characters and some of the teachers in this school as well and that's part of the mystery so aside from the magic and the adventure in this novel it also explores more real life issues so the trials and complexities of friendship and um what it's like to start a new school and to fit in So what is it you hope that children reading this book will get from it? That's a great question. Um, I hope that at the end of reading my book, all children, whether they're neurodiverse or otherwise, feel that being different isn't just okay, it's something to celebrate. Tim and Otty, um, they're outsiders in their own way too. 
but like Alice, they find friendship and home that they're looking for at Pebbles. Found families aren't just for adults, and I um, really wanted all my child readers to kind of feel that they would be welcome at Pebbles too. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's really nice that you explore children, other children's problems that they might be having at home. I won't go into details because I don't want to spoil it, but other characters maybe on the outside look like they're having a, a lovely time, but I've got things going on privately that they are struggling with, and I think that's that's a good thing for children to read as well. So one thing I thought, and I guess you have to have to do this for writing for children, is the pacing is really good and... I imagine when you're writing for children, you have to be very conscious of holding their attention the whole way through a book. We know there are some children that are reluctant readers or perhaps, you know, they can only read in short bursts. So how did this novel come to you in terms of planning? Are you a planner or are you someone that kind of writes uh, as the ideas come? What What's your method? <laughs> the honest answer is that I didn't plan half as much as I should have done. Um, <laughs> If I'd been a more effective planner, probably would have been a cleaner writing process. Um, but with this book in particular, I really loved the way Alice just took me on a journey and together we found her story along the way. Um, I suppose I'm somewhere between um, someone who plans and someone who isn't in that I have kind of a rough structure, but I kind of write as ideas take me. Um I'm learning to plan more, but I also don't want to lose the fun of just mm. writing as ideas pop into your head, really. So was it more that you just had this idea for Alice and you just kind of let her drive the story? Definitely. It was a lockdown book um, and I was shielding um, and I suddenly had a lot of time on my hands and it was just wonderful just to be able to write really like Alice was fully formed in my head um, and had such a strong voice and um, kind of I just wrote as the ideas came to me but then there was a lot of having to go back and make sure that the mystery elements kind of worked and um, everything slotted into place and happened in the right order and um, that there were enough clues but not too many clues um, and I think maybe if I'd planned a bit more, that side of writing might have been easier, but um, I'd still change nothing. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I do know a lot of other writers who are writing crime novels or thrillers where you'd imagine that actually the planning side of it takes priority because you're trying to drop in all these clues and suspects and things. But you'd be surprised the number of writers that I've spoken to that say they don't plan and they just kind of do it as they go along and then they go back afterwards and, and fill in all the clues. That so sounds like kind of similar to your process there. Definitely. That makes me feel so much better. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So... Just wanted to go back really and talk about your writing journey because um, I read an interview with you where you said that there were elements of the writing industry and perhaps when you were at university that kind of made you feel excluded as an autistic person doing the writing workshops and things. And I just wondered kind of whether things have changed, whether you found your your tribe, your writing environments and your writing groups that you feel are, are more accessible and inclusive for you now? Uh, I have to mention Right Mental here. It's such a wonderful, supportive, friendly network of children's writers. And I know Twitter isn't without its controversy, but generally speaking, the children's writers and book lovers that I come across online are always so kind and generous with their time and experience. And sort of through that, I found an, a debut Twitter group and that's like a big warm hug too. So I suppose for me, virtual works quite well. I find it less intimidating than um, kind of in-person events or groups. But um, I still find with online things, sometimes I need to step away and have a break for a couple of weeks because it can be very intense and um it can be too easy to fall into comparing yourself to other people so i definitely kind of recommend write mentor and twitter to other kind of disabled or nd writers but again i think kind of just knowing yourself knowing when you need to take a break kind of practicing that self-care it's still important hmm. can you tell us a bit more about write mentor then because you were mentored as uh, part of the Spark program. So how how did that come about? Did you apply to it? I, I don't really know much about it. So can you, for, for my ignorance, can you tell me a little bit more about it, please? Yeah, sure. So Right Mentor um, is Stuart White's baby, really, and it's grown hugely over the years um, from kind of an online network with some in-person writing weekends, um, like the one I went on in Brighton with Lindsay Galvin, um, to now being really kind of multifaceted. Um, there's like an online hub, there's different events and courses, and there's loads of things that they do. Um, Spark Mentor is a paid for mentoring program that you apply for. Um, and 
I applied after I'd been on that writing weekend with Lindsay um, because I really wanted to continue working with her. I felt like she really kind of got me and really got my writing. Um, Spark Mentor helped me as a writer enormously. First and foremost, I guess, because it makes you take your writing seriously. You're paying, there's a deadline to meet and an industry professional is taking the time to feed back on your writing. So it was really good preparation for writing professionally where you're writing with, you know, editors and proofreaders and you have a very fixed external deadline to comply with. Um, and like I said, my mentor was Lindsay Galvin. And honestly, wow, what an enormous privilege that was. Lindsay is um, really warm and personable, but she's also just got great knowledge and a wealth of experience to share. And did you feel that having a mentor was more valuable to you than perhaps doing kind of workshops with groups or sharing your work with other writers that maybe that one-on-one -on -one was a better experience for you? Yeah, I did. I think just building up that trusting relationship and also knowing that the person giving the feedback had kind of the experience and the knowledge to inform what she what Lindsay would always kind of comment on or critique. I also just think the way Lindsay um has of critiquing and feeding back is just really lovely. She does it in a really kind of supportive, gentle way and she, mm. posing things as questions rather than statements and um I'd really yeah, I just really recommend Spark Mentor to anyone that kind of wants to take the next step with their writing. I think it's really like a really really good scheme for bridging the way um between <laughs> kind of bridging between writing at home solely for yourself and writing for a public audience and um, mm. getting the experience of kind of having people um comment on and develop your writing alongside you um i'd really recommend it as a program and it's i know there's lots of programs doing similar things but um, I still think it's probably one of the more affordable options. Well, I'll make sure to put a link to it in the show notes of this episode so that anyone writing children's fiction can have a look. I wanted to ask you about your other career, which is uh, being an English teacher. And I've had a, another author on the podcast before, Kate Martin, who also works as an English teacher in a secondary school. And I asked her this question as well, so I'm going to ask you, how do you do it? It's such a demanding job. How do you fit your writing around your your career? Thankfully, I'm slightly less in the classroom now than I once was because I now focus on leading special needs. Um, but it's really difficult. I'm not going to lie. I'm constantly trying to balance my writing, my work, my family life because we've got small children. So I have to plan my time carefully, kind of try and carve out um, little kind of half an hour writing sessions when I can um, but it's doable I think that's the key thing is that you know if you're committed to your writing you can find ways of making it work um, even if it's frustrating sometimes that you kind of want to have marathon four hour writing sessions where you get really absorbed in the writing process yeah that's not so doable but um, kind of trying to fit in little bursts of writing that's that's workable for me mm. so are you someone that kind of will scribble half an hour before dinner or you know finding kind of these 
tiny little pockets of time do you write on your phone how do you do it I write on my laptop I haven't reached the stage of writing on my phone yet I'm in awe of people that can um I find it I suppose the biggest challenge for me is that it takes me a little while to kind of warm up into writing I find just having just 20 minutes or half an hour to do it quite hard um, because like a lot of autistic people I think I have real hyper focus so when I'm in something I need to really focus on it and I get completely lost in it for a while mm. uh, but <clears throat> my partner's really supportive and um, we try to find you know times when I've put the baby down to sleep that's an hour or um, maybe <laughs> I've got homework from work a bit early one day that's an hour so we try to yeah try to make it work one way or another <laughs> So I want to know now, what's your agent story? How did you get your agent? And then how did your book deal come from that? Oh, wow. I feel like I'm on like a one woman right mental promotion um, <laughs> at the moment. But I've, I met my wonderful agent, Lauren, through right mental on a like a writing event. Um, we clicked immediately. I found her really easy to talk to. Lauren's kind of super down to earth and that was really important to me because I wanted to feel like I could ask questions and not feel stupid for asking them but most of all I suppose it was Lauren's complete enthusiasm for my story that won me over um, and when I signed with her quite quickly um, I didn't sort of feel any need to shop around or um, kind of query a lot of agents um i just related to lauren very very strongly and um, she proved me right lauren worked so hard on those early drafts with me i'll always be grateful um and then i suppose after a lot of kind of back and forth with lauren getting the manuscript as strong as we could i went out on submission um which is kind of when you send your book to publish um to publishers and thankfully, Katie Jennings, my editor at One World, was really keen. Um, I think I was her first acquisitions for Rock the Boat, which is kind of the children's and YA list at One World. Um, and though there were a couple of other publishers interested at the time, it just felt like the team at One World were kind of really committed and really behind the book. And though they're a small team and they might not have kind of the big marketing budget of um, one of the really major publishers, I think they make up for that in kind of really knowing the book and everyone being really on board with kind of your story and they're just super available if you want to talk anything through. So mm. they've been great. Oh, that sounds lovely. And I, I relate to what you said about it's that's knowing the right person for you when it comes to an agent. It's kind of that gut feeling and I think anyone that I've spoken to that's got an agent that they work really well with they've, they've all said to me that they kind of knew straight away and it was the way that the agent spoke about their book and their vision for the book really matched theirs so I think that's really important when you're when you're looking for an agent so I wanted to touch on your well basically the beauty of your book really because um, middle grade books often have wonderful illustrations and yours is no exception and you've got a lovely front cover and um chapter pages are illustrated as well so I wondered what it's like really because 
being an adult fiction writer, I don't get that joy of, of working with an illustrator um, on my on my book. So I wanted to know whether you got some involvement in the illustration, whether you got to speak to an illustrator. How how did it work for you? For me, I didn't kind of liaise directly with Flavia, my illustrator. It was all through the publisher, but there was loads of communication and um, sort of Flavia would draw up initials and then I'd comment on them and she'd develop them. Um, and when it came to when the publishers broke the brilliant news that I could have a map, which I think is every children's writer's dream, right? Um, I was able to draw a very badly sketched map at home, which she then turned into a wonderful map for the book. Um, so there was definitely kind of a dialogue, but it wasn't like a a direct dialogue. It mm. was kind of via the publisher. But um, yeah, she's just done such a brilliant job. And I love my cover and oh, I just think, yeah, the chapter headings, she's just, it's all the little details. She's done a beautiful job. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the map now that you mentioned it. Actually, the map's a lovely part of it. So yeah, you're, uh, it's such a lovely thing to be able to collaborate with an illustrator, even like you say, if it's not completely directly, but it's uh, it, it must add a lot more to the experience for you as well. So I was wondering whether you could give us your best piece of advice for anyone working on a novel right now, particularly if they're thinking of writing a middle grade novel or or working in children's fiction? I guess um, my advice would just be really simple. Just stick with it. It doesn't matter whether you write it in six months or six years, so long as you write it and finish it. There's plenty of time later on to worry about industry trends and what different people will think those drafts when it's just you and the story are precious cherish them get your book as good as you can um and write for you and for the children in your life that's lovely advice yeah right right for the right for the love of it rather than thinking about the market because i think often when you get to the point of getting your book sold that's all your book kind of becomes it becomes about sales and, and marketing and things so it's nice to have that moment where it's just you in the book I definitely agree yeah and I don't think you necessarily get it again once um you're agented and published those kind of days of it just being you in the book um I never well in my experience they don't feel quite the same now um because it's very much a team product yeah it's, it's a different it's a different pressure isn't it I think and um you, you kind of feel like you have to be aware of those things whereas perhaps when you're writing your first book you don't even think about those things you're just writing because you're enjoying it definitely and i i just think um kind of that's where the joy comes from is just writing from you for you so yeah just enjoy it and stick with it don't give up definitely so finally I wanted to find out a bit more about what you're writing next. And I'm really curious to know to know whether you're writing another adventure for Alice. <laughs> I certainly am. I'm working on book two at the moment. Um, it's great being back in Pebblehampton and I'm just having lots of fun with it. Can you give us a little tea maybe about what the story might be about? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Uh, the story is a about things getting more risky and dangerous Ooh, and I things think... get a little bit darker um 
that's all I can say. But really? I think it's due out next year, so Excellent. yeah, you don't oh, have too much well. to wait. I'm really, I'm really pleased that you uh, are writing another book, and I'm sure there'll be lots of parents who've already picked up your first novel and and children that will love to carry on their adventure with Alice so thank you so much for talking to me today Emily oh thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure that was Emily Kenny talking about her middle grade novel The Extraordinary Adventures of Alice Tonks which is out now and available to buy thank you so much for listening and if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Or if you've subscribed already, it'd be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time.